Hey everyone, welcome back. Uh, it's episode 81 uh, in the Grouch Guide. We've done 80 of these already. Um, I know we're a little bit behind. I just I, I have, haven't been able to really jump on Colin for the last few days. Um, but Joe Biden has himself a bona fide scandal. And uh, as you all probably, I'm sure, are aware, but I'll recap, uh, they found classified material and documents both in his UPenn office, his personal office, and then uh, on the garage floor of his personal residence uh, in Delaware. And uh, I have a feeling, as does I think our media and this administration, that this won't be all. Um, if you don't think, like, they're going to have to do a cavity search on Hunter Biden and you haven't been paying attention. And so a few things, obviously today, Karine Jean-Pierre um, got a dose of actual journalism. Several uh, reporters actually took her to task for when she said last Friday that his lawyers had been cooperating uh, with the DOJ and the, the national archives and returning all of these documents from his office. And that was all of them. And literally about, an hour after she walked away from the podium, that's when the news dropped that they found more classified documents just like sitting in his garage, I guess. And uh, she got a little testy today with the kids in that room. And uh, it was encouraging to see them actually commit some journalism. That must have been a very hard and rare thing for them to do uh, as they questioned her as if she knew about this before last week. And of course, they all did their worst. We're very offended at you lying at us kind of thing. Um, a, a few things on how on how that this is going to obviously, if you're paying attention to media, this is going to complicate Joe Biden's DOJ's own investigation of Donald Trump into this matter. And uh, if if I had a gut feeling, what I suspect is going to happen is neither Joe Biden will be prosecuted on this, and neither now will Donald Trump. And that is kind of where you're seeing the. Uh, the depression now coming from the very online resistance left and leftist columnists as they try to rationalize Joe Biden, just like having his papers all strewn about the garage floor. That's ultimately what this is about for them. Um, they, they know that this looks bad. They know that it looks worse than Trump as Joe Biden was vice president. When these documents were removed, he did not have access to them unless Barack Obama, uh, declassified them. And I would not, uh, count out the fact that we might hear something along those lines from Joe's uh, friend, Barack. Uh, but ultimately, where you see the despair coming from the media and uh, columnists who are all pro-Joe Biden is simply for that reason. They know that any prosecution of Donald Trump now on this topic has pretty much gone out the window and uh, as sure as it probably better. That, of course, doesn't change the fact that you're probably going to now see some GOP-led House committees on this, uh, particular as it pertains to the fact that they do not keep visitor logs at Joe Biden's residence in Delaware. I think that this is actually going to become a bigger deal um, than as it's being led on right now. I think this whole story is going to become a bigger deal than we're being told. I don't think it's being downplayed yet because our media is still figuring out how to play this other than, yeah, this looks bad and you know, fuck you, Joe Biden, for getting Trump off the hook, which is what I generally think uh, the messaging is at this point. But I do think the story is going to get worse. I do think we're going to probably discover more documents uh, in other locations. God knows where that's going to be. Um, I do think the the fact that he did not keep visitor logs in Delaware is going to be uh, something that is going to come up. And then we're also going to learn what's in these documents. 
And part of, um, like I said, my Alex Jones tinfoil hat suspicions kind of go off when we learn that some of them included intelligence memos as it pertains to Ukraine. And as we know, the Biden family has some very kind of unique, close relations uh, to that country, both with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden himself. And it doesn't help the fact that we're currently funding that country's war. And so I think that that's also perhaps going to become a bigger deal. Um, if you're if you're familiar with political scandals and how they play off with media, we're already seeing kind of every excuse roll out. One is he didn't know. Two, uh, there's just too much classified material out there. That was a funny one from everyone's favorite wheelchair-bound Atlantic expert writer. Um, and so you're going to see them just kind of run the gamut of every single excuse until it basically just gets down to uh, this has gone on for two to three years. Um, how this affects Joe Biden's reelection, should he decide to run again, I think is going to be really interesting because we're running, he's running up against the clock right now to announce that he's running again. And this is something that now becomes a possible election issue should Donald Trump be in the nomination. And so those are all kind of the factors going on right now. The other question that I do believe is legitimate is why Joe Biden's personal attorneys are allowed to search his residences and offices for classified material <clears throat> when you can argue about the raid at Mar-a-Lago all you want. But right now, why isn't the FBI the ones conducting any of these searches? Well, we know why. It's because of the optics. And we know that Joe Biden's own DOJ is going to do their best to downplay uh, any scandal for their boss, particularly when we know the intelligence apparatus is not really a fan of one Donald Trump. So those are all of the issues that um, are kind of going along with this scandal. I find it just kind of deliciously ironic, someone who's not, you know, not being a Trump fan myself. Um, I, I'm kind of just uh, um, sparking joy, shall we say, over this whole thing. Um, because of course this is who Joe Biden is. Dude has been in Washington for 160 years. So this guy's probably broken any kind of fucking law that he can get away with. And so of course he has his own classified document scandal. And uh, again, <clears throat> this is all I think going to wrap and uh, probably engulf Hunter Biden as well. Don't be surprised uh, that his name isn't going to fall too far away from the scandal. And it's going to be kind of crazy should all of these all just perfectly come together, which I think that there's a good possibility that they will. And so just to um, set up the topic for you kids, uh, I know we haven't done this in a while, so I'm sure some of you, a lot of you might have some thoughts on this <clears throat> as my queue is uh, filling up already. So we will go ahead and just jump in. Uh, same with the ground rules. Uh, just be mindful that there might be people behind you. We want to get as many people in as possible. And uh, we'll probably go for about an hour, a little, little over perhaps. But just be mindful of people behind you in the queue who also want to say their piece. And uh, if you can also just please mute your microphone when you're not speaking. Uh, it just makes it easier for me. It makes it easier for the audience. And uh, it also makes it easier on a, on a clean published recording. And so uh, with that, we'll just jump right in. I'll just start running down. I don't see anyone back there that I feel like bumping up yet. But Joe, uh, um, what's kind of your favorite part of this whole uh, Biden classified document thing? Do you think there's an angle to this that pundits are missing, people like me? Or um, how do you think that this is going to play out? Me? Hey, Steve, it's been a while. It's good to, good to be back. Good to be chatting with you again. Yeah, yeah um, I'm, I'm still trying to find my rhythm with this in, in the new year, but I'm going to probably be here for a couple more. Of them. 
<laughs> yeah, all good, all good. Um, the one aspect I think of all this that I think is not being reported on or spoken out loud, but I think that a lot of the people in the media aren't thinking, and I think that a lot of the Democratic operatives are thinking, is that, well, shit, this sucks, but also he's probably still our best chance for 2024. Um, Michael Brendan Doherty at National Review actually recently wrote a piece about this that I found pretty insightful, where he was basically like, hey, Democrats, you're going to cast Joe Biden aside at your own peril, because who's going to succeed him? Kamala Buttigieg? I mean, you know, we could we could go on forever as to the bigger risks that they, that those two are. But I think that's the thing that's kind of being left unsaid here which is you had the midterms go the way that they did. You kind of have Joe Biden feeling a little bit more of a spark in his his step. And this, while it does complicate things, and while I think it does definitely make Democrats a lot more uncomfortable, I think they're in a rock between a rock and a hard place with this because a lot of them are coming to the conclusion, um, well, what else is there really at this point? We know he's our best bet to go up against Trump, and he's uh, he's more of a sure bet to go up against DeSantis if he's the nominee. So I think that they're kind of stuck in this scenario, but they don't want to come out and admit it. Uh, I think that there's a lot to that. Um, <clears throat> I think that there's a couple of things that you're waiting on. One, they want to see how bad this gets. And this is this is why it was kind of laughable about the first time they came out and they all jumped into it and said, this is nothing like Trump, thinking that somehow that was the end of it. And then, of course, if you've been around, you go, well, you know, how do you guys know they're not going to find more? And then surely enough, four days later, they found more in a less secure location than Mar-a-Lago. And I certainly don't excuse Trump. I I wrote at Spectator that Trump should get the same treatment for violating the same federal statute that Hillary got for violating the exact same statute. Um, You can't do this kind of, you know, Hillary's, we can't prosecute Hillary because no jury will take this, but surely we can prosecute a former president by the current president who's also going to be his political opponent. And they, they don't really step back and look at this aspect of it, or they choose not to because they're kind of dishonest. And so I think they're kind of in limbo right now, wondering uh, how much more of the story is there. And this is where I said Joe Biden needs to play the Uncle Leo card and just be like, I don't know, like just complete Alzheimer's patient right now. Um, And that's what they should be telling him to do. Of course, Joe Biden being Joe Biden always goes off the cuff and he's like, they're my garage with the car. And um, that causes problems for them. And what I think that this, the other thing that electorally that they're afraid of is, Joe Biden's presidency is going to show that he and Donald Trump really aren't that different of a guy. That was Joe Biden's entire case is that I'm, you know, I'm the Werther's grandfather. I'm going to give the country a hug and a story. And uh, we're going to get rid of this screaming, you know, temper tantrum guy who is uh, irresponsible with classified material. And I think that that 60 minutes clip is going to come back to haunt him uh, uh, in, in election time. And, Partly of what I mean by this, and I called this out on Twitter, which is uh, Mona Sharan of the Bulwark in particular. These people created a narrative in their head that that's exactly who Joe Biden was. And and you're talking about people who live and work in D.C. and they've been around politics for 50 years. They know goddamn well who Joe Biden is, but they're trying to sell you on an image of Joe Biden that they themselves have created. 
And uh, Mona Sharon writes as much in that in Time magazine. We elected Biden to be better than this. Did you? Is that really why you elected Joe Biden? Um, And then, of course, she goes on to write. uh, This looks in these early days like the kind of dodgy hide the ball behavior that Biden should have been above. Really, Mona? Has Biden ever given you a fucking clue that he's been above anything like this ever in his career? No. And of course, she knows better. She says the man who was dismayed by the spectacle of classified documents splayed out on the floor of Mar-a-Lago has been transformed into the tetchy pole explaining that documents locked next to the Corvette were certain were hardly sitting out on the street. That is demoralizing for those who believe that Biden's chief accomplishment and purpose as president has been to restore a modicum of trust to a nation that's been sunk in suspicion of bitterness for too long. Being not Trump demands better. And this this is probably one of my favorite things that I've read post-Trump because, again, that this is we're sorry you're so um, demoralized at the image of a man that you clearly know is is really no different than Donald Trump. And that's where I think that they're all kind of hovering right now. And they're all trying to make excuses over this um, and saying that this is different than Trump's. It's better than Trump's. It's different. He's more honest. He's cooperating and all of this stuff when, in fact, Joe Biden had documents for over six years. And so we'll learn how, you know, they said that his lawyers were just packing up boxes and they found them and returned them. Uh, His lawyers don't have security clearances, so they technically do not have the clearance to even return documents. The second they find them, they should be notifying the FBI. And so the best they can do around this is ignore media questions like Karine Jean-Pierre did today and then keep shouting, this is different. Well, American people are going to keep seeing that 60 Minutes clip, and it might be Trump who puts that into an ad and says, how could someone be so irresponsible? And Biden's best hope is that the DOJ just washes both of these cases away and says, you're both corrupt as fuck, but we usually don't prosecute people on these crimes anyway. This is the Hillary Clinton standard now. And uh, okay, so that's all settled. And I think that that is the best case scenario for Biden. Unfortunately, that's not what, you know, online grifterville of the Twitter. Yeah, that Mona Sharon piece had me just beside myself laughing it's written as if it was the school valedictorian was discovered with a you know the corpse of a hooker hanging in his closet how could this happen oh my goodness you were supposed to be better than this or like you know obi-wan at the end of revenge of the sith to anakin about how he was supposed to bring balance to the force and it's just it's just written with this such melodramatic shit that they're all paid to do so yeah that was that was i i read that too that was pretty funny um the the image that they have created of joe biden just kind of came to a crashing halt and that's ultimately again what they're mad about they're not mad that he did it they're not mad that this happened they're not mad that a vice president somehow ended up with classified material in a home that his degenerate national security risk of a son um just walking around flipping through boxes or whatever um you know they're not really angry at all of that what they're angry about is that this leveled the playing field for trump and that's always kind of been trump's benefit he's always kind of been blessed with the you know the best enemies and best opponents and you know should trump get the nomination here now you're going to have this entire issue is going to kind of be again washed and it was one of their stronger issues trump taking boxes to mar-a-lago and uh, have and wouldn't return them. And as I said, I think the simplest explanation for Trump is that they were his boxes. He's not going to, he's not going to turn over his documents. They were his. And that's because that's who Donald Trump is. Um, 
you know, I, I do think that you have to compare. If we're going to compare the two cases, they're right that this is nothing like Trump. Um, as I've said, I think it's, I, I don't think that, you know, you can pass up the fact that Joe Biden just had his boxes on the floor of his garage uh, in his home when Mar-a-Lago is a private gated estate with on-site security cameras in his private office locked in a closet. So if you really want to, if you really, really want to parse this, and I don't, but if people want to, whose who's stolen classified documents do you think were more secure? I don't think it's Joe Biden's. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are wondering, okay, why is Biden classified material, whatever. You know, one explanation I saw was, uh, he's just working on his memoir. He kept them for the same reason that probably Obama kept documents and George H.W. Bush kept documents and George W. Bush kept documents. They probably all fucking do it. Um, in which case, uh, how classified really does information really need to be in, in the end? If, if any president or vice president or anyone can just, take, you know, walk out with this shit, how important really is it? You know, in the end, but like I said, we know from his office in UPenn that they were intelligence memos, which is the same thing that he criticized Trump on 60 Minutes over. You know, he's like, you could be putting lives in danger. <laughs> and of course, you know, Biden gets caught with this. And that's kind of where the media is also pissed. It's like, we went to bat for you on this. We were going to help you put Trump away on this. And now we really can't. They're like, you fucking neutered this whole thing. And, you know, quoting Barack Obama, never underestimate Joe's ability to fuck things up. Yep. Never fails. Can't wait to see the two of them on a debate stage again, talking about big, beautiful boxes and which one's boxes were more secure than the other one. And yeah. Just screaming and yelling about boxes for an hour. Yeah. That's the hell that we deserve. Yeah. That's, there's yeah. a good chance of that happening. Yeah. So. Well, well, that's all I got, Stephen. It was uh, good speaking with you again, and I'll uh, defer to everyone else now. Thanks, Joe. All right, Matthew. Happy New Year. I'm surprised we're not talking about uh, gas stoves and MLK statues. Uh, we can talk about that stuff if you look. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I spent a week podcasting about gas stoves, and then I wrote about them today at the World Economic Forum. And um, did, did we not do – I mean, we did a gas stove episode, so you're welcome to to chime in on that if you'd like. But No, you know, you know what? I, I have zero regard for human life. I have a gas stove. Um, I look at it like I survive net neutrality, so there's no fucking way a gas stove is going to bring me down. Yeah, that's how that's how I'm operating in life right now. House money. Um, I I listened to your podcast about the MLK statue. Can I take Can I take issue sure. with that? Um, that you like the statue? Sure. Can I give you a two year context history of what we've done with statues in Boston? Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Educate. That's what we're here for. We, Two years ago, during the riots, somebody, Jebediah Springfield, a beautiful statue of Christopher Columbus, and our city made the judgment call saying, uh, yeah, let's just not put it back up. And you can debate Christopher Columbus, but it was an Italian neighborhood, and uh, it was a, a very focal part of that part of the city. In the same period of time, they, there were complaints from who God who probably from Twitter, of people complaining about the emancipation statue of Abraham Lincoln depicting him freeing a slave. And people complained. They said it was offensive and that was going to hurt people. Our mayor at the time, Marty Walsh, who's now in Davos as the labor secretary, he also can't run a fucking lemonade stand if he, if he put one in front of him. 
he deferred to the city council and they removed this great statue of Abraham Lincoln. Like the history of the city, and I hate to sound like Trump, but like they literally took down the statues that they said they weren't going to take down. And I know this is a kid's show, so I'm not going to use the offensive language, but now we have an MLK statue, which we should have in the Boston Common, which is an awesome location for it. But we have this ridiculous monstrosity of a fucking statue that doesn't that, that is not mlk it's a part of mlk but it's not him if you know what i mean <laughs> um yeah i mean that's the criticism of it like if you look at it from certain angles one it looks like a giant dong one it looks like a turd or whatever and then it's just like it, it's so like the, the the top of the shoulders are so smooth where it looks like someone just didn't have a head or whatever um and i do th- you know i didn't i didn't really know the history of like instead of doing figurine statues where again people can you know vandalize or take down there there might have been thought going into that like we have to antifa proof these statues or we have to we have to make them in a in a way that is i <clears throat> it, you know it's it's offensive proof in a way to where it's so abstract that nobody can get offended by it in the future. Well, they fucked that one up. Yeah. I mean, so I, I'm kind of talking more of, you know, when I watched the guy's justification for why he did it that way. And he just did the arms kind of wrapping around each other. I was like, okay, I, I see, I see the thought process and I'm not completely against it. And he even, the sculptor even talks about the fact that, you know, how do you do a Martin Luther King statue without, anything that looks like Martin Luther King. It's just his hands and his suit coat, basically. And so I just, I kind of, when I watched it, I was kind of like, okay, I get the context of this. And then when I saw like videos of it, you don't see the still photographs from awkward angles. I'm like, okay, I see what's going on here. And um, I think that they, like I said on the podcast today, it's always funny like the the sculpture statue discourse around Martin Luther King Jr. Like it's one of those things where, Nobody could get it right because everyone's going to have an opinion about it. And, you know, you're going to end up causing race wars over these things. And so I find that that discourse is even kind of funnier because that was, I mean, it was a huge deal when they revealed the one on the National Mall and people were like, why is he white? <laughs> like, why did you do it in a white guy? Like, you turned him white. And uh, so, and then the artist was almost like strewn up and hung for that. And then, um, so I always find the discourse around it funnier. Like when I was reading tweets about it, I couldn't, I couldn't really get interested enough in it to comment. Um, but I was kind of like, eh, it looks fine to me. Like when you, when you look at it maybe in person or when you see like the drone footage of it around, I'm like, eh, okay, it looks fine. It's in a park. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not just the park. It's Boston common. And we're, we're not a city of people who gaze at Andy Warhol's. We're kind of like, you know, by nature, like Italian, Irish, Catholic, meat and t- meat and potato people, and like we have a great statue of Paul Revere in the Boston Common, which is him. Not for long. Stance. Like, yeah, <laughs> I think they tried taking that one down. The, the the Christopher Columbus one was marble and it was etched and it was it looked great. I used to live right near. I used to walk by it daily and I used to just appreciate it so much. And the Abraham Lincoln one, we do we don't put like. We don't put shit in the city where you have to sit back and go, oh, yeah, I see that. Like, it's too open to interpretation. Like, we're straightforward people here. It, it's dumb. I wish they just did it right. Add, add his head to the statue and her head. 
because it's Coretta Scott's king as yeah. well. Add their heads to it. Call it a day. Yeah, okay, but then do you have to add the bodies? Or then you, would that look weird like with some spider creature with two heads and four arms? Yeah, it'd be like a scene from like Snake in the Plains of Samuel Jackson. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah they everyone, just... everyone's an art critic. That's that's one of the other. That's one of the funny things when I was reading tweets about it and stuff like that. And um, it, it, it's a genuinely fascinating topic in the sense of one where I just sit back and I just read other people's thoughts on it because I just looked at it and I went, eh, it's fine. Who cares? And yeah. people got like really passionate about it. Like, and I was like, okay, all right, let's let's bring it down here a notch. And also, you know, let's face it, a statue of you know a renowned African American in Boston is is just let's pump the brakes here a little bit. So there's also that to take into consideration. Um, but yeah, I guess I just yeah, I looked at it and I said, yeah, maybe add the heads and the chest, and maybe just do a giant bust in the Commons Park or whatever like that. But eh. I thought for what it was, it's fine. You know, I, I, maybe it's also because I, I knew when I, when I watched it, I knew the photo that it's based on. I'm like, okay, that, yeah, that's how the arms are going. And I also think that because it's a photo that maybe not everybody knows or recognizes, and especially as younger generations come up, I can see why people are going to be like, ah, he's holding a turd or something like that. So, yeah, um, I don't know. I I thought it was fine, but again, I'm not I'm I'm not a Boston Tony and Knight or whatever the hell you call yourselves there. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I, one last thing about the actual topic of the call. I I don't have too much to say. I do. I, I actually disagree. I think I think the thing that people in media are missing or not commenting on. I actually disagree with the last guy. Um, respectfully, the the link here between this all is by releasing these document documents or having them pop up all of a sudden it helps trump which increases the likelihood of him becoming the nominee which is best case for the for the democrats and somebody has made the executive decision that we can get any democrat elected especially in a large turnout election so Joe, we're playing with house money with this guy. Uh, I think when he went to St. Croix, that was like his end of the year slash holiday trip where he sits around the family, makes a decision collectively if he's going to run. Yeah. And subsequently, a couple weeks after that, you've got fucking six-year-old classified doc. Like, did somebody say, hey, let's just make sure we don't have any documents lying around. Let's just go take a look. Or did people start looking around? I think the intention here is people knew it's a slow leak and it's the same process of what, when he was inserted as the candidate and they get every, they clear the deck for him to become the candidate. It's a way to clear the deck so he's no longer the candidate and they'll go with Kamala and they think they can win it against Trump. So so then who's behind it then? Are we going, Obama. Full, Oliver Stone, we're going full Oliver Stone deep state No, here? it's not even – I don't even think it's like Alex Jones, Oliver Stone. I mean Obama – was the guy at the end of the day who made the phone calls to Buttigieg and Liz Warren, Klobuchar in 2020 and said, you guys get it. You're done. You got to get out of this. He's, I'm not saying he's the puppet master, but he still has influence and he's involved. And depending on who you want to pay attention to and read is he's the guy that's either visiting or making the phone calls when Joe's in, in Delaware, or it's consultative with him and Susan Rice and Biden. Um, and, and they don't have the visitor logs and they don't, I don't know if they have phone records there and that's kind of the way he can do it and be consulted by, by Brock. So th this is the Oliver Stone story of forcing Joe off the stage when he wasn't going to go voluntarily then, correct? Uh, yeah. 
he's made his decision. He's come back from vacation, and then somebody found out he made the decision, and then they just say, "Actually, no, Joe, you, you've done your good. You've done your good work. You got your infrastructure plan. Um, you defeated Donald Trump. Thank you very much." But there's no way. The other thing too, people are forgetting is he didn't campaign in 2020. He can't do this in 2024. He can't do. He can't do debates. He can't do a full blown camp another pandemic on us. I'll talk to you later. Huh. <clears throat> All right. That's a fun, that's a fun one to try. Uh, my, if, if, if I want to go, if I want to do my fun theory, I actually think this is probably uh, Hunter, Hunter Biden getting back at that. Be my simplest explanation. Samuel, go ahead. G- give, give me your, give me your, uh, your probable thing here of why this is so. Yeah, I mean, that's actually the point I wanted to bring up. I don't really have a conspiracy theory on to why, but I it, it's just so fucking weird to me. So they've been sitting there for years, okay? So this is not like a, you know, he stashed them last year and we just found out about it. They've been there for, like, what, six years or whatever? And his lawyers just happened to be going through his office, which, again, I think it's weird that you call your lawyers your half a million dollar, if not more, um, lawyers to clean up your office. And they say, oh, shit, here's some classified documents. And then the timeline is just weird to me. So they find these documents initially on November the 2nd. And then I don't remember, I don't remember the precise, precise dates of everything. But I know they found more documents on like December the 6th. And then they just found more documents a couple of days ago. What's taking it? You would think if they found these documents and they were like legitimately searching them out saying, we're going to look everywhere. Let's get this all done now and out of the way. You'd think that they would have, you know, checked everywhere, like within a couple of weeks, if not quicker. But this like slow drip, drip, drip is weird to me. How, again, and the thing was that a lot of people have pointed out, Biden had complete control over the situation because it just now got leaked over two months later. So they had full control over it, and yet they're not controlling it. It's just weird to me. Again, I don't have a conspiracy that, you know, Obama's actually doing it or Kamala's doing it. But it, it, it's just everything about it is weird to me and screams there's something we don't know. That's yet to come. That that's it's just so weird. Yeah, I agree that I don't think it's over with. Um, the problem with that is you already have the press asking the White House press secretary, like how how come you told us last week that that was it, and then we find out there's more, and now she's sitting there going, "I spoken with you. Thank you. I'll see you later." Um, and so that only will hurt them even more should more come out. And you have to think they've sat grandpa down and said, you know, his attorneys, the White House counsel have sat him down and said, OK, Joe, do you know where there might be any more? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Talking um, to him like he's a know, five-year-old. He just gives them the stare. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Ask Hunter um, or something like that. Um, but I do think that, I mean, obviously the timeline was they knew that this was going to come because they found him before the election. And then it becomes, how do we either get, how do we not inform the press of the story until after the election? Or if the press had it, that's another 
you know, a point that we need to figure out is I think who was it? CBS reported on it originally. Did CBS have this story before the election and go, well, fuck, we can't do this because midterms are next week. And this could end up, you know, keeping shotgun Frankenstein out of the Senate or something. Um, and so that's another possible scandal. in this is when did the media know about this? Uh, we know that Merrick Garland, I think, knew December 6th and then on December 16th. And you have to know that be- between then and his announcement of a special counsel, he, you know he went to Joe and's like, I can't prosecute Trump now, you dumb fuck. Like, you know he did that. You know that he walked into that Oval Office, had a meeting with Joe Biden, said, hey, um, I know we're in touch with your lawyers and we're, I know you're gonna, we're going to try to minimize this damage as much as possible because we know of Trump and we're going to try to frame this in the media. But he probably looked right at Joe Biden and was like, I can't prosecute Trump on this now. Like you realize, like I have no, I can't do this. I won't be able to do it because the, the hypocrisy will be too much for even like moderate, you know, citizens to take. And so the time that they all knew about it, but then it was kind of where it went off script is when Joe Biden said uh, <clears throat> when he was in the press conference, and I think it was Ducey. And he said, you know, it's not like they're up on the street. You know, I keep them locked next to the Corvette. And that's when, you know, like Ron Klain and the lawyers wanted to hit him with a tranquilizer dart because it's like, shut the fuck up. We gave you the we gave you the remarks. And that's why now you're seeing him just ignore every question. They've told him, do not answer questions. They, it's This is the Afghanistan strategy, which is just give your statement, turn around and walk away. Do not stop. Do not answer questions. None of that. And so, he, you know, he did that today with the Dutch prime minister. And he did it yesterday or two days ago where he just doesn't answer questions now on this. And that's how it's going to be. And they just kind of all sit there and pray to God he doesn't say something that fucks us up even more. Um, and so I, I do, I do agree that the timeline needs to get cleaned up. Um, but again, you had Kareem Jean-Pierre just ignoring reporters today, just like saying, I've, I've answered your question. And I think it was Wei Zhang who's, uh, said next to the ABC reporter and said, did, did you, I didn't hear that. Did you, can you, can you say yes or no again? And she goes, you can ask her. She's right there. And so one of the things that this has revealed is just how in deep over her head Corrine Jean-Pierre is for this job. Um, she's great when you can just send her out there and talk about job report and economy and the president's doing that. But when a scandal like this hits, she becomes just a fucking useless blob. And so you're probably going to see more of Kirby stepping in and a few, a couple others like they'll, they'll do to kind of, you know, come in and field some of these questions. And so, yeah, I mean, the timeline is is certainly weird, but it's also Biden's response didn't help. There's two things happening. The the White House is currently saying he didn't know about it. But when he was asked about it, he was like, they're next to my car, you know, like so he kind of knew that there they were there. And so right now the press is kind of ignoring that there are two narratives happening at the same time where you have the White House saying he didn't know and he takes it very seriously. He was surprised. And then over here is Joe Biden going, they're right next to my car, uh, while the White House is saying he wasn't aware of it. And so that's something that you're right in the sense of it feels like they're kind of careening uh, from talking point to talking point, and and none of them are on the same page. And the problem is you have an 80-year-old president who's like, there might be more, I don't know. And, And so that's... Yeah, it's just, and you kind of pointed out the the not really in doubt questions are like they're in doubt, but like, it's not like a conspiracy, but I, I would like more transparency is yeah. The, the number one, the transparency issue. 
So, I mean, I, again, I don't really remember everything and I, it was a different situation, but like the Trump raid, you know, was a huge deal. We were getting pictures, you know, people were live outside of Mar-a-Lago and taking video and live on camera. And then this takes two months to drop. So it's like, you know, were there no leaks? In which case, that's pretty fucking amazing. Or was somebody sitting on this, um, which, you know, is worse. Um, but just from a political angle, the, the, my takeaway from this is, I, look, I always believed Joe Biden was going to run again, Sands being dead. Um, because I just can't imagine him seeing himself as a one-term president. But this is, I, I definitely think he's running 100%, again, unless he croaks. But this is the first time I, I've considered the possibility of there actually being a challenger who's not some uh, nobody, you know, Nina Turner just randomly getting in, getting, you know, half a percent of the vote. And, you know, by kind of like the, the Trump uh, in 2020 uh, primary where there was like Bill Weld and Joe Walsh were in, but you know, that wasn't a real primary. This is the first time I think there's like a legitimate chance. So like a Gavin Newsom ask type would actually get in and hit him over the head with this saying, you know, you're no better than the other guy. If you're doing stuff like this, because you can't attack him on policy. You know, if you're Gavin Newsom or, uh, any, you know, national Dem, you can't attack him on policy because they're your policies. So um, this is the first time I've considered the fact that there's a real potential for a primary challenge. I still don't think it'll go anywhere, but this is like the first time I'm like, okay, maybe this actually does happen. Um, the, there's a, I mean, there's a few things. I, I don't know if if that's a case but here's i mean so this just all happened what two weeks ago or a week ago or two weeks ago when we first found out i have never in my life seen a special counsel assigned that fast ever like yeah, that was normally great. normally these stories play out we just saw the one for trump the, trump's uh state was raided in august uh, the special counsel prosecutor wasn't even, I think, uh, recommended until after the election. I thought I think it was like the second week in November. And so that was all of August, all of September, all of October. Uh, Jack Smith, whenever that dude was appointed, I think it was November. Someone can correct me. I don't care. Um, and from the time from the time that the story broke on Biden to the time Merrick Garland announced the special counsel was like four days And I've never seen that. And that to me suggests, like I said, Merrick Garland already had this ready to go because he knew about this back in December. You know that he'd met with Biden over and said, look, this this story is going to it's going to come out. We can't sit on it. We sat on it until after the election. Now it's going to come out. And that's that's how you know that this White House and this DOJ have been kind of managing this because there's no way that they came that they decided on a special counsel in four days. Like there's no way that that happened. And so, yeah, you're going to have the special counsel and they're already talking to Biden aides and whatever, and they're going to go through the motions and probably where this ends is where, what are we January still probably March, April, May, June is when Merrick, you know, Merrick holds a, uh, a, uh, a presser, and they're going to say we've collected all of the information, interview witnesses, da 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 da, da both at Mar-a-Lago and with Joe Biden, 
And, you know, similar to what Comey said about Hillary, which is, well, these are grave. Both of these instances are kind of like grave violations of trust in the law. We don't feel like either of these cases can or should be prosecuted in front of a jury. Um, and that's probably what's going to happen. And then it's a wash. And I think that that's what the media wants to happen. They they went from, you know, wanting Trump front and center for for classified documents to let's just get this out of the let's get this out of the fucking media now and move on. And uh, so the fact that, again, you know, they pointed that special counsel that fast, um, that tells me that they knew that this was coming for a while. Uh, and as, and again, another part of this is the GOP is certainly going to hold hearings on this now, regardless what the media shrieks about double standards or whatever. A big part of this is that, do I think Trump declassified the material? No, I don't. Um, I, I think he just loaded up his boxes and it's like, those are mine. And um, so all of the shrieking with double standards and stuff like that, the one big glaring thing is Trump was a president. Biden was not president at the time that these documents were supposedly removed, which was his time at the end of being vice president per CNN. And so that's a big problem for him. He's not even supposed to have them at the time. Um, and he, so he can't really become president and now retro go back and go, oh, all that shit in my office is declassified, by the way. And so that's the big problem they're going to have with trying to sell this is hypocrisy. Trump was a president. You know, he can just look at something and go, that's declassified. And whether or not he did that or not, I don't think he did. Um, and so this is going to be something that's going to go on. The GOP kind of, I think, looks at this and sees their January 6th. They're going to say, we can drag this out into next year and damage him enough with this to where the country's like, yeah, you're no better than Trump. Screw you. Yeah. So, I mean, last thing I'll, I'll just say um, is um, and kind of, I agree with your point that Garland clearly knew where it was going and they had been, you know, looking at it beforehand. But I mean, based on, <clears throat> excuse me, based on that timeline, if I, cause I don't know the date either. If Garland uh, appointed the special counsel for Trump after November. So AKA after they found the Biden documents, I wonder if that's when he was like, I just want to get this off my fucking plate because like you said, he went to Biden and said, you fucking idiot. Now I can't, you know, indict Trump. And then from the, you know, as soon as that happened, he just like, well, we're going to have to appoint a special counsel because we're not going to prosecute both of them. So, so Jack Smith was at, was appointed on November 18th. So after they found the initial documents. Yeah. So that's kind of fun. That's a fun I little just, thing. That... Garland was just like, get this off my fucking plate, you idiots, and wanted to move on. But I don't know. It'll be fun to see. This is like the first time. This in the gas stove story. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm back in for politics. So I was kind of like fucking tired of it for a while. But now I'm like, all right, let's get let's get this shit rolling. They, they can take your gas stove over your cold, dead hands now, huh? After my over my cold, dead hands. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's that's going to be one. That, I think this is going to be one of these things where after the World Economic Forum dies out, that they're going to try to have go away and go the way of the Green New Deal memo. Donna, let it rip. How are I'm very well. Thank you for asking. So I'll be the conspiracy theorist. I have a theory sure, about sure. this. <laughs> I'll be the theory about the special counsel. I suspect that though, you know, nobody knows what's in those documents, that there's um, things that they don't want out. 
You know, do, if he took some very serious. <laughs> no, no. I think it's probably worse than that. I think that um, it probably has to do with Ukraine and uh, Hunter Biden. Maybe um, I don't. I'm, I, I don't want to go into that. But my idea is this: the special counsel was appointed in order because they knew that this leak was coming, in order to give the White House and Jean, uh, Karine Jean Pierre the ability to say, well, we can't talk about it because it's under investigation. So they don't have to answer anything. And uh, there was, I believe he works with CBS. Uh, Steve Portnoy did a very good job today, I thought. And they, he said, they all did good jobs today. If you watch our White House press briefing, they didn't let her off the hook. And, no, they did know, not. They did, and of course, this is them just letting her know, hey, we have to do we have to show this for one day and then tomorrow they'll be back to being buddies and friends and, uh, you know, sure. Praising the historic nature. So here's here's one point that he made that I think is very interesting. He said, why is it the matter of the White House counsel to deal with documents from two administrations ago? We're not talking about presidential records from this White House. Why are they or are they involved in this matter at all? It's a very good question, of course, which she didn't answer. She said, again, this is something to address to them. Well, he just she just went in a circle there. You know, I mean, the the question it is a legitimate question as to why Biden's attorneys are handling any of the shit. Like the second they found him at UPenn, uh, that's when the FBI goes in. And the second they find him at Joe Biden's residence, they have to stop and notify the FBI and say, hey, we might have found some classified material. You guys should come look at this. Uh, they don't have security clearances to, to pick up this stuff and take it to the National Archives and go, hey, we found this or whatever. And that's one of the optics that is clearly different here. When you go in and you raid Trump's house with AR-15s and Everything say, hey, we tried for a year to get these back um, and you wouldn't return them. And here you have Joe Biden's attorneys like returning them, except where is the FBI here? And like I said, there clearly is an effort to downplay that aspect of it. Chris Ray is not out talking about this. You're not seeing statements from the from the FBI saying, hey, we're we're in charge of this now. We're we are going to be the ones to to search Joe Biden's properties, his offices, um, his, his son's residences and offices, all of him, his families everywhere. You're not seeing that. And I think people on a kind of subconscious level are seeing that. That to me is the biggest question is why are Joe Biden's attorneys allowed to basically handle the investigative part of this when they don't have security clearances? And so. That's that's kind of how I look at that. Um, and, and Karine Jumpier is just doing what they do with all of this stuff. It's we refer you to the Department of Justice. We're going to refer you to the White House Counsel. We're going to refer you to the White House Counsel. And then reporters will either follow up with the White House Counsel and the Counsel will say, we can't comment on an ongoing investigation. And it's just a loop and a loop and a loop. And it's one of those things that just it gets her off the hook and they don't have to answer any questions that could jeopardize their role in this, especially when you have a walking gaff machine currently. Donna, go ahead and unmute your mic. Oh, can you hear me? Yep, go ahead. Okay, sorry. Sorry about that. Um, 
so the other thing I wanted to uh, mention was about the art in Boston, real quick. Um, conceptually, I thought that it was a good idea, although I don't like the way that he rendered it. But conceptually, I thought it was a good idea that the the persons in the embrace are invisible, therefore carrying on the message of the content of characters, what's important, not the color of the skin. So I, I like it, but I thought that the artwork could have been done better. Yeah, I mean, part of the reason I like it is it is it's just the arms embracing, and that's kind of the, you know, the togetherness of the topic of Martin Luther King. And, you know, you know, one species and one and we're not all these different races and, uh, you know, we're one country. And it, so it's it's focusing on the actual embrace and it doesn't necessarily have to mean it's Martin Luther King's arms. If that is if that makes sense, it's you know, it's just an embrace. And so that was kind of the other aspect of it that I liked. Um, but again, if I, th- I think if you don't know the context of it, if you don't understand the photograph, if you've never seen the photograph, it is, it's going to look like just this kind of weird spider monster. Which is apropos for Boston. <laughs> I mean, we get some weird stuff. And the other point I wanted to bring up, and I listened to your podcast before, um, you came on today was the, um, the AP piece. And I just wanted to read it in case any, I noticed that you didn't on your, you mentioned it, you alluded to it, but you didn't read what they tweeted, I believe it was yesterday, about the World Economic Forum. They said the World Economic Forum, which opens Monday, is slated to take on pressing global issues. But online, it has become a target of bizarre claims from growing, from a growing chorus who believe it involves a group of elites manipulating events for their own benefit. <clears throat> Hello, that's exactly what they're doing. Yet we're if we if we suspect that or if we think that, we're crazy. We're conspiracy theorists. These are bizarre claims. When it's there right in front of us, everything that they're saying. And this is like you said in your podcast with the gas stoves is a perfect example. We bring it up. If you balk at it in any sense, you're crazy. And uh, I'm just wondering, you know, you mentioned Twitter and your your suspension. I'm sorry about that, by the way, um, <laughs> yeah. for 12 hours. Yeah, um, um, you know, I, I believe what they're trying to do when they do this, when they do these sort of things, when you're not really breaking a rule on Twitter, yet it happens to you. I think what they're trying to do is uh, control the language, control what you say online. I have every belief in my heart that these people are manipulating events. And I don't think that I'm crazy for thinking so. I believe that tech does it. I believe the media is doing it. And I believe that there are politicians out there hand in hand. I mean, I know you love cinema, naughty, but she's there, Manchin's there, there are others there. And then they come back to Congress with these ideas and they're trying to silence us. Uh, she Jack, Sheila Jackson, you know, wants to make hate speech, but only against white people, I guess. If they if they perform it, then, you know, shut them up. But I guess it's going to be okay if somebody else does it. It's just all madness. And Don, but- Donna, did you did you happen to see the photo of Kirsten Cinema speaking with Paul Ryan in Davos today? 
I did not. That's that's one that's got everybody's uh, underwear in a craw, which is kind of funny to me. If, of course, it's like, of course they're all there. It's the stonecutters. Of course they're all there, the you know, deciding, you know, how our lives are going to be governed here. And, and uh, yeah, like I said, you know, Lauren Boebert just loudly proclaimed she will never go to the World Economic Forum. And I'm just like, yeah, worst person in the world has a point. Um, uh, yeah, the fact that they're there and Manchin's there and Cinema's there and, um, you know, Moulton's there and then Daryl Issa is there. There's Republicans that are there. And it's just kind of like, guys what are you doing? Like Klaus Schwab is a bona fide bond villain. Like mm-hmm. he can't, he just, he can't even get out from his accent or anything. I mean, every time the guy opens his mouth, you're like, Oh shit. Like you're the, you're the bad guy in lethal weapon too. Um, and so the fact they're all just there palling around um, while eggs are like $7 a carton is just kind of like one of those optics things. And yeah, I mean, you're right that they go out there and they, they throw out all of these kooky ideas about, you know, implanting chips in your arm and banning your stoves and, and whatever. And then when we go, did they just fucking say they were going to like put chips in our arms? They just go, no, 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 you didn't hear that. That was a conspiracy theory. And again, when you have media outlets, AP and CBS, and they're there covering it. And in my piece specifically, I point out Mark Benoff, who's a CEO of Salesforce. He also owns Time Magazine. And his website at time has a whole section on the Great Reset. And they didn't do that on accident. And like I said, it's not the Great Reset is not some kooky conspiracy theory. It's a it's a stated goal that's right out there like the bat signal that you can read anywhere you can read it, except when you do read it and then you go, Hey, I don't want to eat the bugs. That's when the media basically says you're a conspiracy theory. Did you happen to see John Kerry say that what they're doing is like some yeah. extraterrestrial? Yeah, well, he, what was interesting is he said it's we we we've been touched to save the planet. He said it's like a, it's like we've been chosen, and we've been touched. Like we realize it. Like he's talking about it in a divine way, and he he so badly just wants to tell everyone that he's a lizard person, and they're <laughs> just trying to like shut him up. Like no 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 you don't talk about extraterrestrial shit here, John. Okay, we're, we have a we have a bit that we're doing. So, all, all I could all I could think of when I saw him say extraterrestrials. Is when the aliens come and the people find out that it's a cookbook, right? How to serve yeah. it. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it's, it's it's there in Davos. It's come to life. Yeah, I mean it's 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 hard to hide just the the hilarious optics of this about how no no we're not the global elites gathering in this place that's cut off to the public and whatever like this. What how dare you think that? And it's like no, it, it really looks bad. And the, and the shit that you guys are talking about is is not not stuff that you know normal people. And as I said on the podcast today, some of it's funny. Some of it's funny mm-hmm. to poke fun of just because they are so just comically laughable villainous. And then you have, you know, things that happen today where, you know, you have a congressional representative sitting next to a journalist while a European commission jokes about having speech laws in the United States. And neither of them speak up and go, well, no, we have a constitution. And so that's kind of what you have to be on guard for. And and it's not a conspiracy to suggest about how people at the World Economic Forum think about the United States Constitution, not the United States as a country, but how its basis for governing is. And so, you know, like I said, I guess and Sheila Jackson Lee's law today. So I guess thank thank God for the Supreme Court. So, Donna, well, I'm going to move on while. to Ben. Yes, so, thank yeah. you. Have a great night. Thank yeah, you very yeah. much. Good night, everybody. Uh, I'm going to. We should be able to do this. Ben, go ahead. Um, yeah, look, I don't really have a conspiracy about the Biden documents, but I've just got this vibe 
that this is going to turn into something really big. Um, and I keep thinking about the Benghazi hearings and how that ended up kind of resulting in the finding out of Clinton's homebrew server. You know, Whitewater ended up resulting in Clint, Bill Clinton's impeachment and, you know, then there's Watergate. Just these kind of events that start off seeming innocuous and, like, it's not going to be a biggish thing, but I'm just getting the vibe this is going to unravel into something big um, that'll really impact impact Biden. Um, I don't know why, but the answers or the questions we don't have answers to are the things that are kind of ticking me off. You know, what happened between them finding out the finding out they had the documents and it finally being reported? What exactly happened in that time? Uh, why they were looking for documents? Um, and uh, those two kind of and what what's in the documents? Um, and I just get this vibe that we're going to find out something probably related to Hunter Biden that's going to going to be big and I think will actually give the Republicans a legitimate um, legitimate reason for impeachment as opposed to a, a sham reason that they'd probably yeah. come up with anyway. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know if I have a feeling about that. It's going to be big or huge. I, I don't think we've heard the end of this. Um, I do agree that, you know, the GOP is probably looking at this as, yeah, we, we have a legitimate reason to impeach him here over the, you know, the screeching of the media and, and stuff like that. Um, I, I do think that it has a penchant to be something that's bigger than what we're being told. But this this drip, drip thing effect that's coming out. And if you know what's interesting to me about this story is it's not journalists discovering it. Uh, this isn't like, you know, like Watergate where we're un we're unraveling a whole kind of conspiracy here. It's all there. You have a source that could is connected to Joe Biden's lawyers and the DOJ. And that source is telling, you know, CBS, CNN, NBC, our media, hey, we found classified documents and like, but don't tell. So everything is based on what sources are telling journalists as opposed to journalists discovering this information. And that's telling to me uh, about the nature of this whole thing. All, all the information we have is based on the source, either Joe Biden's attorney, a source within the DOJ, uh, a source within the White House, Kamala, uh, basically telling news outlets, hey, this is what we found. Hey, this is what they found. And I think that that aspect of this is really interesting about how how much of a bystander our media has been in this whole story. They're not the ones driving it. They're just kind of sitting there waiting for more information. And so ultimately, you can't trust the nature of the story right off the bat because the source who's telling the media this stuff, they can they can reveal or withhold as much information as they want. So they could be they could be withholding really damaging information about these documents. They could be not telling you everything about they could be waiting and you know the source could be you know rolling this out very slowly or whatever. And so that's another aspect of this I find interesting where if it was journalists doing their fucking jobs they wouldn't be at the mercy of somebody at the DOJ or even in the White House who is doing damage control with this, which is what it is. And so, yeah, I, I, I have a feeling it's something that could end up being really big, especially when hearings start and people are put under oath. 
Um, but again, who those people are right now, I don't know. Maybe Hunter Biden now. Maybe you now have a legitimate case to call Hunter Biden in front of Congress just to ask him, did you ever see classified documents in the garage? And oh, by the way, what the hell were you doing peeing on hookers in the Ukraine? And so that's another whole aspect of this that I find interesting. And so I, I do think this has potential to be a very big deal. And it's because things like this, this is how they usually go. They start out kind of slow like this, innocuous. And then because the White House doesn't cooperate or they're only cooperating on their terms, more and more comes out and more and more comes out and more and more comes out. And ultimately, that's when, you know, the New York Times and CNN and all of and MSNBC are just going to be like, OK, how do we just contain this and make it sound like it's not that important? Which they're already. Yeah, I mean, it's it is bizarre. It's not bizarre. It's understandable. But the fact that this was in the DOJ you know, for what, over a month before we knew about it, at the same time that you had the midterms and you had the appointment of the special uh, special uh, prosecutor for Trump and there were no leaks out of it. Um, this was somehow kept yeah. uh, tight. And that's how, um, and that's how and it's going to be from here on out. We saw that with the Hunter Biden laptop story. That was the last kind of story dropped before an election. Um, and it's because our media blames themselves for Hillary's email scandal uh, they think that Comey reopening the investigation into Wiener's laptop after they found Anthony Wiener sexting an underage girl. And then they were like, oh, how did how did classified information from the U.S. State Department end up on this pervert's laptop? And so they look at that as no more October surprises, period. Nothing that can help Republicans or Trump or whatever. So the fact that the story was locked down before the election, well, we've seen a bunch of that stuff. We've seen, what, three or four stories like this that, you know, we either they were the biggest scandal leading up to the election and now we haven't heard about it. I would argue that they tried to make Trump front and center with his the Mar-a-Lago raid, whatever. There was a clear strategy to keep Trump front and center in the news cycle heading into the midterms. Now, how much assistance that was between the media and, say, the DOJ or the FBI remains to be seen. But it, this kind of explains why that just went away. If you notice, the whole Trump Mar-a-Lago shit went away after the election. We didn't hear about it anymore, except for the appointment of a special counsel. Um, the, the Paul Pelosi story is another one that just went away and a few others. And so, um, sorry, I have French bulldogs distracting me and fighting. Oi! Um, and so the, the fact that we didn't hear any much more about the Mar-a-Lago story could explain that they knew that this was coming and this was going to drop on Joe Biden's head. And it was like, we should just like make both of these go away. So that's, you know, that's pure speculation, but I do agree with you that this certainly does have the potential to at least blow up into. Yeah. Um, look, two, two quick final thoughts. I think maybe this is more a hope than, than cold analysis, but the, the vibe I'm getting, particularly after the latest, um, you know, press conference with the world's best press secretary um, is that I think that we might see, if not you know, the media entirely, but large sections of the mainstream media maybe turn on this story and start being a bit more critical, um, given the way the White House is kind of treating them like idiots. Um, many of them are. Um, like, yeah, they've, they've got their ideological bent, but at the end of the day, they're also arrogant, hubristic people and um, I think being treated like idiots um, will start to turn some of, them, some of them where they might actually do more real journalism 
Um, and just the final thought, here's my actual conspiracy theory. You got suspended from Twitter the day before the World Economic Forum starts. I don't think that's a coincidence. <laughs> I think they're after you. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't really think about that one. But yeah, it was only a 12-hour hold. Um, but I was just kind of like, eh, at least it was a Sunday. So it wasn't like, uh, you know, on a day when I'm reading for news or I'm looking for stuff to write about or, or podcast about. Uh, so I was like, eh, it's a Sunday. Whatever, I'm going to see if I can watch football and uh, get on my treadmill and maybe go do some cleaning and, and do some stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, and who knows? We'll see where we're at at the end of this when I write my, you know, Brian Stelter spirit cooking piece. So we'll see. Uh, ben, always good to hear from you. I'm going to go ahead. Here. You're there. Hey, how are, good, you? how are you? Good. Um, I don't have much to add that hasn't already been said, but I thought the uh, the visitor log thing is really interesting to me because I remember when Biden first got in office and the whole um, thing that uh, Jen Psaki always liked to talk about was how strong he is, how much stamina he has. He can go to his uh, Wilmington home. He can set up his shop there. He can be a president wherever he needs to be. He doesn't need to stay at the White House. And now I'm seeing these articles like I was just scrolling through a CBS News article about how uh, the headline said Biden's home is embroiled in document scandal. But when you start reading the article, all it is is like a flowery, almost like a listing for the house, like how great it is. It's got a lake in the back and it's cozy and it's his, his spot. And I feel like this is kind of becoming a spin now where they're going to say, the Wilmington home is Biden's private residence. He needs privacy. Leave him alone. Stop digging into it. Yeah. Have fun selling that when Trump's residence was <laughs> raided. Uh, and that was always the problem with the optics of the FBI raid. Um, that's not something that needed to happen. You could you could be negotiating with Trump for years, you know, one year, two years. And then finally, you just say, look, if you don't turn this shit over, we're going to indict you. That's it. Uh, but this whole this whole point of staging, you know, a raid and making sure the news cameras knew about it and the networks knew and all of this stuff. Now that leads a problem with like Biden's, you know, peaceful, uh, you know, Delaware residents. Another problem with this, uh, the problem with Joe Biden saying he had no idea they were there is you've tried to make Joe Biden sound like this homely old man in Delaware in his house, in his garage next to his beloved car. And does anyone really believe this old fool for six years, had no idea the shit was in his garage. I mean, maybe now. Um, but the problem is, is Biden's already a part-time president. He spends 60% of his time in Delaware. He's, he's there every weekend. He, he leaves on Thursday. He's there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, comes back Monday. And he's there more. I think it was Mark Noller who he's almost doubled Trump. And everyone bitched when Trump went to Mar-a-Lago and played golf and all of this shit. And the thing is, Biden is a part-time president. He works three days a week and then only a couple hours of those days. And so the fact that he spent so much time there and this idea, and if you go back to the Obama administration, this was a trick that came out in the Obama administration, is that whenever White House aides wanted a meeting with a lobbyist or, say, someone uh, from public sector unions, they didn't meet at the White House because you have to keep visitor log records at the White House. They would always meet, like, across the street at the Pete's Coffee Shop 
And that was a trick that Obama's people figured out where if you just go across the street and sit at a restaurant or a coffee shop, well, we don't have to keep track of who you're meeting with. And uh, I think it was Trump who tried to get rid of the the White House visitor logs. And Karine Jean-Pierre, that one tripped her up because they said, how come you have no visitor logs in Delaware? And she goes, we were the ones that brought them back for the White House. And you go, "Okay, but we're talking about his residence in Delaware. And she goes, White House. You know, and so and she just doesn't shut up. She just is like, you know, chirping little fucking parakeet. And so the fact that he spends so much time in Delaware, are we just supposed to believe that nobody ever goes and visits him there? Um, especially with just like classified shit laying around, like Hunter Biden just walking in. Hey, Dad, what's this? And so that's going to be that's going to be a huge point of contention. And it's one that Republicans are. Yeah, and that's that's something I mentioned on Twitter. I was like, you know, either the guy is gone on vacation for more than half the time with absolutely no visitors and he's conducting no business, which is bad, or he's conducting business at the home. And we know that he is because they always send a aide with the National Security Council with him on all of these trips. He's got all kinds of advisors with him, which I think it's also really funny that um, Anita Dunn's husband is his personal lawyer, which is cozy. That's, just out of the Clinton playbook, having your aides be a lawyer. So there's attorney client privilege, but um, yeah, that, and then the, something that Samuel said, also the, the timeline of stuff um, coming out, I think, I wish someone would kind of go more into that. Just the timeline of when documents were found, when they were reported on and when Merrick Garland actually appointed a special counsel. Cause it, I'm just browsing through old, Twitter from last week, and it seems like he appointed the council on Thursday, but Thursday's when they actually reported the third batch of documents to the DOJ, and then Saturday's when that all got reported on. So, yeah, like, it, it's and it is confusing because we know that they found them. Well, at least we know they were reported on finding them in November, and supposedly right. it was his lawyers who found them in a in a filing cabinet while they were cleaning out his office at UPenn and then his lawyers either contacted the White House first and then the White House contacted the National Archives. Um, And so now it's a question of, and this hasn't been clarified, did they just now discover the ones in the garage like two weeks ago or three weeks ago? Or when did we discover those? And then of course now um, that's going to be the big thing to come out is did they find those back in November and then ask Joe Biden dude, you got any more of the shit laying around? Like, what's going on? And that's when he's probably like, my garage. And so, <laughs> fuck, you know, god damn it. And so then they probably then send the lawyers into the into the garage, and then they were like, okay. Um, what's interesting is, to me, the most interesting thing is, they could have probably done all of this away from the media and the public, where Joe Biden's lawyers found the shit, turned it to the National Archives, and nobody said a word. So that's why it becomes questionable about who the sources are reporting the story like i said this isn't this isn't a media driven story this isn't you know woodward and bernstein discovering classified documents and then trying to trace them back to where they found them this is a story that's being leaked to the press and again you can't really trust that because whoever's leaking um is they have their own motivations they're holding stuff back they're only reporting what they want to hear and so again there's a lot of this stuff that's you hope comes to light but um, again, the fact that it's kind of being a leaked source story and not one, you know, being like, you know, two New York Times reporters discovered that there's national documents, whatever. Um, that's another part of this. That's kind of- 
Yep, I totally agree. All right, I'll let you go. Great. Go Thanks, on. Vanessa. Uh, Jason and Jack. Jason, go ahead. All right. I kind of want to push back on the whole, you know, the narrative that he's been cooperating, which you see from certain, you know, conservative commentators, yeah. too. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know the circumstances. It could have just been the lawyer found them and then turned them in himself, like without talking to Biden or maybe even talked to Biden and talked Biden said no. And he said, well, I have a legal obligation to do this. And then Biden said, I'll send corn pop after you. And then the lawyer would just say like, well, corn pop's not real. So it doesn't matter. But I mean, the cooperation here, not only, and you mentioned like Democrats always get to cooperate on their own terms and the FBI is just like, Oh, cool. Well, thank you. But here it's almost like when they catch a serial killer, and the, they get the first body and then the cooperation is like, oh, there's 27 others in this field. That's what it feels like right now. Yeah, I don't understand how they're saying he's cooperating when he had documents for seven years. That's not cooperating. OK, that's the biggest thing is if, another thing. If you want to quibble about the difference between Trump and Biden, Trump had them for two years. Biden had his for seven and Biden was not authorized to even have his in the first place. And so. That's how I look at that. I'm like, no, of course, how is Biden's people cooperating? Well, he turned them over. He's not he's not fighting to hold them. How do you know that? You, again, you don't know which documents Biden has, what they pertain to, and that he's told his lawyers, hey, don't turn that shit over because that's kind of important. And that that has to do with Hunter and Burisma. And that's going to get me in deep shit. So you, they don't know any of that. And you're right. That's a that's a talking point to just say, how is this different from Trump? Because they have to rationalize it. They they make money rationalizing. They make money basically saying, obviously, they're liberals, they're progressive journalists, they're Democrats. So they have to rationalize it. They can't just sit there and go, ah, this looks fucking bad. And again, like I said, a good example is who you see at the Atlantic, specifically pushing uh, CNN's calling this a crisis now or what are they like, whatever, because that's the instant tell. Whereas instead of going, yeah, both of these are fucking bad. Neither of them should have done it. Also, we haven't prosecuted people of their stature uh, ever on this. That's what basically what Charles Cook at National View wrote, saying neither Trump nor Biden's probably going to get prosecuted under this. Certainly not Trump now. And as I said, that's that's the thing they really fucking hate. And that's what they're mad about. Um, but, yeah, this idea that they're cooperating, it, it's complete fabrication because you don't, we don't know. We don't know what the discussions he's had with his lawyers. We don't know if there's other materials. We don't know, like, what what other boxes exist. And so, again, that's the problem with having his attorneys be the ones conducting the searches. That's where you send in the FBI. And the FBI is like, yeah, we just found 12 more fucking boxes by the way. Um, and, you know, from Biden's home in Delaware, as opposed to, you know, him being at the White House. Again, it's a way to rationalize how Biden is not as bad as Trump when, of course, he is. They're the same fucking guy. And again, they're running into a point now where this is about electoral politics. And so their goal is to keep it an issue for Trump while just, you know, scraping the issue and not making it about Biden. And that's ultimately what pisses them off the most. Trump is going to just be raging about this on true social, ne never stopping. And if he's a candidate, he should. Yeah. 
Um, another thing about it, and I guess I haven't read it, but you mentioned Cook said no one's going to be prosecuted here. And there's been a couple of commentators, well, you know, they, he broke the law, blah, blah, blah. It shouldn't matter. But, you know, if you like social stability, you know, let justice be done, though the heavens fall is not actually policy or statesmanship. Yeah, I mean, I guess I look at it and say we've been hearing from Jen Psaki and Corinne Jean-Pierre and this administration now for four or five, six months when it pertains to Trump that no one is above the law. OK, let's find out. Should we, are we going to prosecute a sitting president? OK, I guess we're going to we're going about to find that standard out. So yeah. and of course, I mean, we're, of course, they're not going to and especially they're not going to do it on this issue. Yeah. I think the larger issues is you have the former secretary of state, Hillary Clinton, caught doing this shit. Then you have a former president, Donald Trump, and then you had a former vice president, currently sitting president. And I, I guarantee you, you know, Obama and Bush, and they, they've all sat there and just been like, yeah, of course we have fucking documents. We, Like I said, I think someone said the reason Biden would have them is for his memoir or whatever. And I look at it and I'm like, I don't care why he has them. I don't care why Trump has them. You shouldn't fucking have them. Um, but again, along the lines of if this isn't that big of a deal, uh, then why are we prosecuting whistleblowers and stuff like that who, you know, take and leak classified material? That becomes a, that becomes part of this conversation um, in the sense of, say, Assange or Snowden or, you know, whatever like that. And personal feelings aside, that's when this becomes an issue where it's like, OK, so Hillary Clinton can get away with this. Donald Trump can get away with this. Joe Biden can't get away with this. How do you think this would happen if, you know, I'm sitting here at my desk looking and I'm like, oh, look, there's an intelligence memo from Saudi Arabia. How'd that get there? How do you think I'm going to get fucking treated? And that's ultimately what this. Yeah, I mean, I'll say some people are above the law. I mean, in a sense, it, it, you know, Trump, however you define, and it's currently undefined, the parameters of what he could have done and when, and if, you know, he moved those documents when he was still in the, the still in the, uh, in office, you know, it's a different matter. Like some people, because of their office, have different authority. Like Harry Reid could slander Mitt Romney on the floor of the Senate and nothing happens because, you know, there's legislative privilege, a court would throw it out. I mean, we have those rules to protect, you know, it's, I guess it's against the rule of law. We have them to protect certain, you know, prerogatives to like, if we didn't have legislative privilege, everybody would just be suing legislators all the time. And that would be a separate. Man, that sounds fucking great to me. If I'm being honest, how great would that be? Um, yeah, no, I mean, of course, of course, there's people who are, like you said, uh, above the law and stuff like that. Um, it just it comes down to the fact that you had a media really pushing to prosecute Donald Trump. And it really feels like not to go, you know, tinfoil hat, deep state. It really feels like the intelligence apparatus has a hard on for Donald Trump. We saw that with the FISA warrants. We saw that with Peter Strzok. We saw that with, you know, every every intel agent who walks out of the fbi ends up on cnn and they all end up a fucking democrat there's james clapper there's john brennan and so you definitely had an intelligence state uh who was against trump and they were basically like we got to get this guy out of office we can't kill him like we could like we did kennedy 60 years ago that's this is a new ballgame um so there's definitely this deep not deep state but the intelligence apparatus versus trump and so there's this idea that Donald Trump isn't really the president. He shouldn't have classified information and he can't declassify. And that's only up to us. And there definitely is that hint of attitude in the air with him. 
Um, and, and of course, Trump's the guy who came out and he hits the deep state and he yells at the FBI and he, you know, gets Comey to he fires Comey and stuff like that. So, of course, they're against him and they have very powerful leverage uh, to basically say, fine, we're just going to impeach your ass. We're going to, you know, you know, cook up a thing with a phone call um, and, and all of this stuff. And, uh, and there you go. Now you're impeached. And so there is definitely a hint of that, especially with the raid on Mar-a-Lago. And then, of course, saying. Trump could have just gone. Ah, I declassified all of that. You, you can't. You, and yeah, I can. Biden didn't have the. Biden didn't even have the ability to do that. And so there are differences in this. And of course, um, they're they're going to kind of try to keep this sh- focused on Trump. Even Mona Sharon's piece in Time was mainly about Trump. And that's again, they have they have one note and they know how to play it, and it's the only one they know how to play. So. Yeah, and going back to the whole deep state or whatever you want to call it, it seems that every single, you know, of these scandals only comes to light if they don't like you. Like, even going back to Watergate, like, somebody explained Watergate as Nixon was trying to get away with something that, you know, Kennedy did and especially LBJ did. But since he passed Mark Felt over for... He was like being groomed as a <laughs> groomed as a uh, J. Edgar Hoover's replacement. So when Nixon passed him over, that's how the whole thing got started with you know Mark Felt being deep throat. It seems like all this happens all the time, and we just only hear about it when it's somebody unpopular or on the uh, political right, of course. So, Jason, thank you. Good thoughts. Here, Jacqueline. Yeah, ten minutes. Go ahead. Okay. Need. I don't. I don't need ten minutes. Um, I was just gonna say that I've really appreciated all the callers tonight. They're all a lot smarter than I am when it comes to this stuff because, like, I read articles and I don't really think about things the way they do and then the way you process it and explain it and everything. It's always nice to listen to that. But I was just going to try to end on a more light-hearted note and say since your Broncos are out and my Bucks are out and the Jags are still in, are you going to be hanging out with Charlie Cook and uh, John Nickdahl at a Jags game? Uh, no. If he, he, I'm not quite on the Jags bandwagon. Just beat the Chiefs, I'm all in. Because fuck the Chiefs, ultimately. So, no, I'm, I'm not quite all in on, on everyone's Jaguars. So we'll, we'll see. I, I don't think that they are going to beat Kansas City, but we'll see. I, I said how I think the Super Bowl is going to happen. I, I think that the Super Bowl here, – so here's something that's funny. So I kind of – as that Jacksonville game was going on Saturday night, I tweeted out after Trevor Lawrence had thrown, what, three interceptions or whatever, I tweeted out – uh, Jacksonville should have never gotten rid of Gardner Minshew because people know I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Gardner Minshew stan, uh, unashamedly. And uh, so basically I let that one go. And of course, John Ekdahl is going cuckoo crazy and he's, he's a fuck you, fuck you. And like, whatever. Um, never mind that I've already shown him that he has tweets saying Trevor Lawrence is a bust. 
so when I woke up on Sunday and I, and I got the notice that my account had been suspended, I couldn't reply to all of the reply tweets to my Minshew tweet because Trevor Lawrence came back and won the game. And so I'm just reading down and everyone's like, this didn't age well, this didn't age well, this didn't age well. Uh, you know, throwing me out to old takes exposed at all this stuff. And that was, that was the, that was the one thing I wish I could have responded to on Sunday. I was like, ah, fuck, you know, like I have so many good Minshew tweets here. Um, but the what? so how I said, I see the Super Bowl going is I see the Eagles versus the Chiefs and Jalen Hurts goes out for the second half and Minshew comes in and wins the Super Bowl for the Eagles. And that will make America. All right, and then to your favorite sport, hockey, the Lightning and the Avalanche play on February 14th. So if I win, if the Lightning win, will you buy me a steak dinner? And if the Avalanche win, I will buy you a steak dinner? Does that work? Uh, I, I don't live in Florida. So I'd have to like I'd have to grubhub it to you. Oh, it's only a regular season game though. They don't really mean much. So do do we want to do like a friendly monetary bet here? We can just do like a like a like a ten dollar bet on this. If you want to do that, that's fine. Yeah, we can cash okay. up or or whatever. That's fine. So that's uh that's on February fourteenth. By your own. Dinner. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm not, I'm, yeah. So I'm not, I'm starting to like really seriously sit down and watch hockey games because I'm always one of those, okay, football season and then hockey doesn't really get serious until about a month before the trade deadline, which is where we kind of are a little bit. And so uh, it depends on how healthy my Avalanche are, which is they might not even make the playoffs right now, which is fine. That's the price of a Stanley Cup. Um, so, but for tentatively right now, we'll we'll come up with we'll come up with a, a a friendly monetary bet, and then you can take my money or I can take your money, and then you can go buy your your own damn dinner. How's that? All right, sounds good. Just want to end it on a more light note, and like I said, I've appreciated everyone's calls tonight, and just kind of getting some more information on everything that's been happening because just reading the articles and not really understanding what's happening, it's been interesting just to hear what everyone's been discussing. So that's why I love this podcast. Yeah. I mean, that's why I enjoy doing this. I like you guys can go to any other podcast anywhere, whether on call in or, and you can listen to guests and you can listen to two people talking with each other or, or whatever. And, um, I've always kind of uh, tried to keep this format about you guys getting a bit of a platform to get your thoughts out and talking and hearing everyone else's unique perspectives. Um, that's, as I've always said, is uh, way far more interesting. And thank you, Jacqueline. Uh, I'll touch base with Jacqueline on on the lightning apps. Uh, but as I've always said, that's the thing that's always just kind of made this unique and fun for me. Uh, and just sitting down and just conversing with different people. So more voices, not less. That was Andrew Andrew Breitbart. Um, 
echoing Jacqueline's thoughts, good thoughts tonight, some fun thoughts on all of this, whether it's conspiratorial or not. It's always fun to just throw out there and not worry about uh, what the journals on Twitter are thinking about. So, again, it's always fun. Uh, it's been episode 81 in the garage. Uh, thank you, Weezer. Uh, Joe Biden's classified document dump, which is uh, certainly not over with. We're certainly going to be hearing more about this and possibly more instances of it. So uh, once again, I'm Stephen O'Miller. This is Versus Media Live on call, and I will be back on Patreon tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to try to sneak in another, at least one more episode of uh, call in this week, perhaps maybe uh, Thursday or Friday. So stay tuned for that. A lot to catch up on. I want to go more into Davos and uh, more on, on the whole World Economic Forum Stonecutters Conference, uh, which is always never bereft of content itself. So again, uh, thanks everyone. Uh, I'll be, did I say Substack? I'll be on Patreon tomorrow. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, once again, thanks for uh, listening. Thanks again to my callers. As, uh, as always, you guys keep uh, the call-in show up towards the top of the most engaged shows on this app. And so it's always good to see. So again, I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for spending some time here. Uh, go uh, go about the rest of your night and I'll see you on